For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706 on CJAD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, present, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Hello, Josh. Hello. And uh, tonight, very exciting, we're talking about new businesses, or as uh, as the buzzword goes, startups. Startups. And, and Dan, you know, there's... You know, we're, we're in an economy, we've been around a long time, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs, but everybody's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's certainly a lot of ups and downs, trials, tribulations, experiences to learn from. And we're going to learn from a couple of great stories tonight. As we have with us, we have Mark Ryman from Acumen Factory and Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel. So as we usually do, guys, just to so the listeners kind of understand what your businesses are, I guess we'll turn to Mark first and, and, and ask you, what exactly does your business do? What is Acumen Factory? So Acumen Factory is um, what we call a NetSuite solution provider. In simplified terms, um, NetSuite is an online accounting software um, where it's integrated to the CRM where you deal with um, customer relationship management and order to cash and procure to pay where you purchase a merchandise and uh, you ship it to your customer, basically. So really a complete full package where you can try to, I guess, run your business, sales, purchases, accounting, customer relations, and what, whatever you can attach to it, exactly. including whatever statistics, I would imagine. Exactly, right. You can integrate with marketing campaigns and it can even manage like a worldwide multi-subsidiaries companies with multiple currencies. Excellent. And we turn to Ovi, and, and if we ask you what Outpost Travel is, perhaps you can explain a little bit what that is. Sure. So uh, Outpost Travel is currently the biggest search engine for the sharing economy. We work with companies such as Airbnb, for example, which allow their users to post apartments on their website to allow other people that travel to their city to book them. Instead of staying at a hotel, when you when you travel somewhere, you can, you can stay in an apartment, in a, a house or a villa. And... Uh, we know that there are a lot of these uh, websites out there and people are having a hard time uh, trying to you know, find one of these bookings. So what we do is we bring them all together into one place. We're an aggregator and um, we let people search through them, sort through them by price, look at the images, the comfort level. And once they're decided on a booking, we just redirect them back to the original website to finish their booking. And it's it's not just I guess rental spaces or whatever. There's other services that you that you aggregate or, or find. Right. For so currently we aggregate uh, as well ride shares. Uh, so for example, intercity traveling. If you want to go from Montreal to Toronto, it's one of the the cheapest way that you can travel using a ride share with in, in someone else's car. Instead and of hitchhiking. Right. Or instead of you know going. It's a little safer. <laughs> instead of taking the bus or you know it's 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 actually much much cheaper to take a ride share. Uh, additionally, we also do um, uh, private experiences, so private guides, uh, really uh, letting you live the, 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 the local culture when you, when you travel somewhere. Um, so you, you have everything from, like, for example, you know, experiencing the underground uh, graffiti work of New York to uh, taking a, uh, a dirt bike tour of the Grand Canyon, to, you know, and everything is private. You, you don't get this stuff in, in any commercial tour um, out there. Now, how did you get started in Outpost? Where did, where did the idea for outpost travel come from? So the the basic idea came from uh, my co-founder, my partner, Hamed Al-Khabaz. Um, one day he was looking at his parents trying to book a chalet here in, in Quebec and he saw them having opened like about 20 different tabs on their computer and, and they, they were writing on paper, like trying to compare prices and all that. 
Uh, and uh, he noticed a problem that you know needed to to be solved. Um, so he he calls me up. This was like uh, at the end of March, somewhere like 3 a.m. in you know in the morning on Skype, and he's like, "Dude, I got this you know crazy idea. I think you know we we should definitely do it. I mean, there's you know out there there's Expedia for the hotels and for the flights, so the kayak doing the same thing, but there's nobody doing it for the sharing economy, and this is a problem that you know needs to be solved." Um, so, you know, I, I thought it was a great idea and we decided to, to put it to work right away and we, we shipped the first MVP, so the minimum viable product after just 48 hours on April 1st. And it was just the two of you that kind of worked out this product together? Yeah, it was just the two of us at the beginning, uh, for a few months, um, until we, we went through a competition here in, in Montreal called the Founder Project against 85 other startups. Uh, and we managed to to win it and get uh, get first place, which in turn allowed us to to pitch at the Founder Fuel uh, demo day, which is the biggest biggest accelerator here in Montreal. Uh, and that really allowed us to uh, to raise a seed round uh, back in September, and therefore adding more people to our team uh, and investors as well. And financing is a very big aspect, certainly when we're talking about startups, certainly when we're talking about technology side of it. And before we get there, to hear about a little bit about both your experiences, I'll turn to Mark and kind of ask you where did you come up with your idea and how did you first like where was the inception where was that seed for for uh, for your company acumen yeah my background is also in, in computer science so um it was always for the motivation and 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 the challenge of creating something new and and contributing to to businesses and 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 adapt their process um so i've been a fan and adept of of cloud computing no servers uh, meaning no nobody to do backups and remove that old tape from the drive and bring it home in case of your business going on fire and things like that so cloud computing has been like for me a, a disruptive technology and i've always had a passion to to work on on the cloud based and creating a business was a big challenge and motivation for me in order to be able to have em employees contribute to to them being happy and having a nice place to work. Were you working for you an employee before you started your business? Um, you were working for somebody else before you decided to say, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. Right, 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 exactly. So I was working for somebody else and then I started part-time doing some, some nightly gigs and uh, <laughs> having a few customers around the world. Then it spread out word to mouth and it started growing. That's great. Now, certainly financing is a big aspect of of starting both businesses. Uh, and maybe we'll we'll start with Mark that... that when you started your business and you were, you already had a little experience in the field, you're on your own doing it. You have this product that you can resell. What was your, how did, did you require financing when you started and where did you go find that? At the very beginning, I would say no, because for me, what I only need to do my job is just a laptop and a pair of he headphones and uh, just a number to dial to my customers. So the investment is very minimal. And I knew I was going to start up something where I would have more and more employees eventually. So it was based on personal savings in the beginning. And I've started to grow like that. It started in my basement with a few employees. And soon enough, we were in, in an office space in Laval. And from there, the investment was not as huge as I thought it would. But I went to secure a few um, a few other aspects of it by securing uh, financing from, from the BDC as well as a, as, a, as a line of credit to help us grow, basically. And we can kind of ask both questions. First, from a BDC standpoint, was it easy to get your BDC financing? Did you have to jump through any hoops? BDC, I would say it was a breeze. It was amazing how the experience went really, really well with them from 
one week from filing to whenever week the, the money was in the bank account, that was like a charm. Um, the line of credit was something very challenging to get. I don't know if I fell on the wrong person or if my file got left into a drawer, but it took like close to two months to get that. Was the BDC a specific program that you followed or was it just a general? It was a program that was made for IT uh, purposes, so that's what the, the loan was about. And for the bank, now I, we've heard many nightmares, Dan, on the show about dealing with banks and, and, as I mentioned before, jumping through hoops and, and trying to get the right information to the right people. Uh, maybe quickly, Mark, just before we get to the break, you can kind of explain or dis describe your frustration in that process. Well, the process is, the bank is like a big organization and, and you know, it's like you always talk to a different person and, and somebody that is handling your file, he's on vacation for whatever reason and you need to wait another week while you need the money somehow to, you are kind of relying on it to do something, that's why you applied for that line of credit and you know, it, it's always tedious to deal with a bank, they always have those fancy name for different kind of charge and you ask them what it is and they don't know, they need to revert to their supervisor and after a week of debate they end up crediting the charge because themselves they don't know what it is but you know they just charge you for a hundred bucks and <laughs> the, it, never easy to deal with the banks and when we come back from the break a little bit more about that and Outpost Travel and Ovi's experience in getting their financing was, was very different than from dealing with the banks. We're talking to the heads of a couple of startups on today's entrepreneur, Mike Ryman of uh, Acumen and Ovi Mija of Outpost Travel. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.20 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, and our guests this evening uh, are startup guests, Mark Ryman from Acumen and Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel. Josh, the interesting thing that's uh, about our two startup um, guests tonight is that they're both in tech, and so much of the startup community is in tech, which I think you probably agree with that, is the future of, of business, really, because we're not really making a lot of stuff anymore, not certainly in a bricks and mortar kind of way, so all these new businesses businesses, uh, at least from what I see in the startup community, are are web-driven. Definitely, from and from a service standpoint, uh, that's that's where we're heading. That's where this economy is heading. I mean, you'll always have your bricks and mortar. You'll always have people that want to feel and touch and do. You'll need that. But many of those are certainly overseas or in, in areas where the, the labor is a little bit less expensive. Um, so absolutely relying on the tech side of it is very important. And we have two very good examples here. Just before the break, we were talking about financing and getting dollars and mark was explaining you know his great experience with bdc and a little bit of frustration and trying to get his line of credit with uh, with a conventional bank which which many businesses experience not just startups but but businesses that have been around a while uh ovi at outpost travel has a very different side of that story from a financing standpoint and we're going to address it now because your financing you didn't really go to the banks it was more outside angel investors venture capital um, how did you kind of get to where you're financed by today? Right, so uh, the way it went for us is that after winning this competition that I was talking about earlier, the Founder Project, uh, and we managed to pitch at the Founder Fuel Demo Day, uh, which is the big accelerator here in Montreal, and uh, that allowed us to uh, tap into a pool of about 300 investors that were there in that room uh, that night, and um, two of them, two private angel investors uh, from Montreal, 
Uh, really loved what we were doing, uh, had uh, some uh, former experience to uh, what we were doing, and they decided it's, it's the, right, uh, the right investment for them. Uh, so it went pretty quickly for us. You know, they uh, passed, their business, passed, passed us their business cards, and we, we met about a, a week later, and the deal was done. Was it, was it the first people that were interested in your project? No, they were not the first people, actually. Um, the story goes back to when we actually launched the product uh, on April 1st. Just a couple of days later, we attended uh, uh, the, the Founder Project launch event at the Notman House uh, here in Montreal. And uh, it just so happened that uh, they, they recognized us there based on our, on our previous story um, with the, the, the college expulsion and all that. And uh, they were telling the, the people that we shouldn't take any of the job offers that were you know, offered to, to us at the time, such as Google and, and, and other big corporations, and we should actually begin working on a startup of our own, which co coincidentally enough, we were doing it. We were there in that room, and, and when they recognized us, um, they set us down with VCs straight away, and uh, uh, little did we know, but you know, <laughs> about a couple of weeks later, we, we had our first offer of investment from you know, uh, one of the VCs here in Montreal. Unfortunately, that didn't go through for us because we considered it wasn't it wasn't the best deal that we could get. And at the time, we we were uh, at such an early stage that you know we we didn't think that we needed it right away. We could still bootstrap uh, our company and then finance it our out of our pockets. You're you're thrown into this situation where these VCs are venture capital uh, venture capitalists, and these angel investors are there, and there's a lot of legal documents that I presume you have to go through to ensure that. You know, you're you're not getting rooked. You're not getting your idea and, and your company stolen out from underneath you. And you also want to get the best bang for the buck, if you will. But did you have any knowledge in reviewing or doing legal documents beforehand? So I did not have any any of this knowledge. But fortunately for us, uh, winning this competition also provided us with uh, some sponsorships. Uh, one of them being from uh, for Faskin and Martino. Uh, they um, well, they have this program called the Startup Program, and um, we managed to be part of this of this program and have uh, a lot of the, the legal fees waived for us, uh, a lot of free consultation hours and uh, a lot of do documents uh, done for us um, without having to, to, to pay the, the, the real price or having a, a lot of uh, uh, lower prices for us. Our uh, theme of startups continues with Mark Ryman of Acumen and Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel. It's 724. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. And we're back with our startups, Mark Ryman from Acumen and Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel. And when you're starting up, Josh, of course, uh, finding the right people can be very difficult, uh, risky sometimes. Um, so let's talk a bit about that, guys. Uh, let's start with, with Mark, perhaps. Um, at what point did you, uh, did you sort of get into hiring mode? And, and ha did you have a plan as to what kind of people you needed? Or was it just sort of feeling it out and, uh, and seeing who, uh, who presented themselves to you? I, I always knew what kind of people I needed. Um, however, due to some circumstances, uh, some things went a little bit faster than expected, and that's why you know I had to secure those bank loans and those line of credit, you know, to be able to grow faster. Um, the plan was to be in a, in a nice office by the mid of this year. However, in February we were already in the office. It started in November 2011 in in my basement, basically. And I had two employees down there in the basement with me in December and January, and I always pro promised them, "Be patient, guys. You know, in, in in June or July we'll be in the, in a nice office." 
However, in February, we had to go into, into like moving out very quickly because there was more and more people coming to us and knocking on the door. Was it difficult to find these people? Uh, yes and no. Finding good people in our industry is, is kind of tough to find. We use like online advertising instead of traditional paper advertising. We use LinkedIn, which is a good spot for us to find people. Um, however, some people, you know, we always keep an eye on, on competition a little bit and like for, you know, unsatisfied employees. And some of us like came to us like, you know, it was unexpected and, and we had to accommodate them because those was like gifts for us, like having people already trained and ramp up. So for me, that was like a, a good a good thing that happened. Have you had to, in the short life that, that your company has lived, had you had to deal with an employee that was maybe faltering or falling behind? Did you have to get rid of anybody? Fortunately, I didn't have to get rid of someone. We don't want to get into a, like a, a, a mentality where we fire people like very quickly. We want to make sure that we've exhausted all our our expertise and knowledge to like make sure that you know that person we did our best um, however there was one issue with one employee who we tried to like make that person understand that we were falling a little bit behind for one customer and who wanted to get something live up and running very quickly and when I asked that person to do like a little bit more of a time I was simply bluntly replied no I have a social life and, and the next thing I knew that person was out because he didn't want to do overtime <laughs> And he just didn't care about the customer and whatever was going to happen, happened. Not at all. You know, no customer satisfaction, no thinking about customer, uh, you know. and Generational differences. To exactly. More uh, with our startups in a moment on today's Entrepreneur at 730. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 736, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And our guest this evening on our startup theme show, we have Mark Ryman from Acumen. Uh, he does a online-based accounting software. And Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel, which is an aggregator of uh, travel sites, uh, much like Airbnb. If you want to head out and, uh, and rent a room or rent a bed somewhere, I hope I... Did you guys justice there? Um, no, so, no, no renting beds by the hour. No, no, like, no. no Long-term stays. Not that kind of business. That's another show. Um, but first, uh, we were talking about HR uh, with Mark. So let's uh, let's pick Ovi's brain about that a little bit here before we head into marketing. Ovi, uh, when you started up, did you find find it difficult to find the right people? Um, so it's it's always difficult to to find the right people, which is why you know we're, we're basically always hiring. We look for the best talent that we can find out there, and. The people that we currently um, have in our team, the way we, we found them is, um, well, they pretty much found us. Uh, since, you know, we, we've been uh, distributing our, our link online to, to a lot of websites, and uh, when a developer is interested in, in what we do, they, you know, they tend to kind of uh, bug you about it, send you a lot of emails, send you some code that they build that you can integrate in your product. And, and you see that these people are really interested in, in working with you, and, you know, that's when, you know, we, we took them and we, we passed them to an interview, and um, we saw that you know they they really are dedicated and they really want to work with us. So we uh, we hired them. We we kind of function on the uh, on the idea of uh, you know hiring slow, firing fast, which is you know what every uh, startup uh, usually does in in, in tech. Fortunately, we didn't have to fire anybody yet, and hopefully we we never have to. But and what about culture? Is that important? Like when you're looking for a person, do you look for ability or do you look for character and culture fit? 
Uh, so it's a little bit of both. I mean, we, we try to keep our team small to really implement a company culture, def define it, and, and how we want to you know, manage this, this business once it grows and, and uh, once the team grows. Um, so we try to look a lot at you know at the talent uh, of the, for example, developers. You know, can they help us with with what we need uh, in terms of development? And at the same time, can they fit in the team? Can they integrate? Um, are they kind of the same on the same line as us? You know, uh, we're we're all you know young entrepreneurs here in early twenties. We don't have a family yet, so we're kind of looking a little bit for the same people that you know can can connect with us. It's interesting. You don't say have you have you say you don't have a family yet, but. Have you made any sacrifices? I mean, when was the last time you guys took vacation? Well, I haven't taken any vacation since I started this business, <laughs> and I don't think I will in the next couple of years either. So. Mark, vacation for you? I mean, does your personal life get affected in this startup? Yeah, it didn't get affected a lot, and you know, I tried to to like work this out by taking vacation in January with uh, the wife and the kids. And unfortunately, the backlog after the one week is just like a disaster. It's like there's not going to be any vacation for the next week and the next year for sure. <laughs> so let's let's switch gears and talk about marketing. I mean, you guys started your companies. People have to know you exist. They, I mean, revenue's got to come through the door, uh, and it's two very different businesses. So maybe I'll start with with UOV and Outpost Travel. How did you get the word out there? What was your your best and maybe worst uh, experience from a marketing standpoint? So we we told ourselves since the very beginning that we're not going to spend any money on marketing. So we or you know spend very very little on just things that are very necessary. So the way we actually acquire our users is to a process that tech startups called growth hacking. Um, to define growth hacking, it means reaching into massive uh, pools of of targeted consumers and dragging them to your website. Now there are different ways you know that that can be done. Um, growth hacking can be done. I'll give you a quick example. Um, since we have you know amazing developers on our team, they managed to create this artificial intelligence that connects with um, Twitter as a as a social network, and is able to identify people that are looking for places to stay. Let's, let's say someone tweets, you know, I'm going to New York. I you know I need a place to stay. Um, this uh, this bot, basically artificial intelligence, is able to um, find this person, um, go perform a search on our website for New York City for the dates that this person is looking for, generate a minified URL, and respond to the person telling her, um, to him or her, here's you know uh, places that you can you can find in New York, and it's all done automatically, so it reaches a lot of users in in a short amount of time. But it might hit a lot of spam. Somebody you know, depending on spam filters, somebody might not necessarily receive that. Uh, well, actually, you know, in Twitter, there's, there's, there aren't any spam filters really, and we tweaked this. Uh, you tweeted this, out. Okay. Yeah, we we tweaked it really well so that it has a, a very high accuracy percentage, so that we don't tweet random people. Uh, you know, about going to outposts. We don't we don't want to spam anybody. Excellent. And Mark, for your business, what what's worked for you? I mean, how do you get the word out? that you have this this NetSuite, this this great package that businesses can use? Our whole focus is about being customer-centric, right? We focus on, on customer first and make sure they are satisfied. Um, what I'm trying to get out there is to clean out a, a little bit of a consultant reputation because it has been so many years associated with um, the guy is going to come with a suit, he's going to cost a lot of money, and the next thing we know, we'll have to pay more to get his services. So for me, it's always have been customer first, and having done that, it's been like highly successful. Um, as you can see, I have been able to like acquire customers um, in Australia, in New Zealand, and 
I haven't done any marketing or Google advertising or AdWords for that. It's just like word to mouth and they go to conferences. Um, NetSuite holds out uh, yearly conferences or sometimes they do like little smaller ones in different towns or part of our world. And people just talk and it's like, hey, we, we deal with uh, that great guy from, from Montreal and uh, Oh yeah, my NetSuite implementation was a total disaster. How do I get hold of him? And I just get a random call from someone um, in, in in a day, and it's like, hey, I want to talk to you about my NetSuite implementation. So word of mouth is very important for your business. Yeah. Now, does that mean that your your competition is failing to some degree? I mean, and do you keep tabs on your competition? We do keep an eye on competition for sure, and some of them we do work hand in hands in hand with them. Um, we don't have a choice, you know. You need to to keep an eye on what's going on out there, and it, it's basically a, a a matter of adapt or perish. So we need to be above of of what's going on with competitors. And, you know, competition for me, it's really great. You know, it keeps you on, on your toes and, you know, it doesn't allow you to fall back and sit down and, and relax. So I like competition. It's good as long as it's done clean. Ovi, do, does Outpost Travel have competition? Is that... Do you monitor that? Yes, it does, definitely. I mean, uh, the sharing economy is right now a booming industry, so a lot of competition is forming very, very fast. Uh, so we definitely keep a very, very close eye on the competition, on their numbers, and we make sure we're always uh, one step or three steps ahead uh, and, you know, kind of don't let them follow up. <laughs> Do you, as you guys look back, just, just think about the last, you know, little bit you started your business. Is there anything that you might have done a little bit differently with the knowledge that you have today, as you look back, is there anything you say, you know what, I would have taken a different path in the road, I would have maybe ignored that VC a little faster, I would have tried to go for angels, I would have uh, ignored, you know, the, the bank's request. I mean, is there anything you would have done a little bit differently? To be honest with you, um, thinking about it, I, I don't see what what I would have done differently. The path has been like very clearly defined in my mind. It's like I know where I'm heading and so far so good. I have very good people working with, with us. I've been surrounded with a great team. People are very patient and I have that new senior consultant with us. He's like very patient and helping a lot. So I don't think so. I think the, the path that we are taking is, is the right approach. Excellent. Ovi? It's a little bit the same thing for us. Uh, I think, you know, we've, we've done a lot of the things right uh, since, you know, we got here so fast. But definitely, you know, I would say that I would probably ask more questions, uh, especially to lawyers and accountants. Um, I've done some mistakes in my past uh, when, you know, with the incorporation of uh, uh, of our business and, and all that. So, that you know, they had to go and fix in later because I didn't ask the questions at the right time. So maybe, you know, asking them in time instead of going there and, and doing it myself right away would probably be a good idea. What a great unplanned segue, Dan. Uh, thank you, guys. You know, there's so much more we can talk about uh, startup businesses. Um, but certainly, as you pointed out, Ovi, there are certain compliance issues in certain areas and forms and registrations that you have to do before you even get started. Uh, and that's something that we're going to chat about right after the break when we come back. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, our special on startups with Mark Ryman from Acumen, Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel, and we also welcome Josh uh, Lauren Brotman from Fuller Landau. He heads up uh, accounting and real estate over there at Fuller Landau, and uh, certainly uh, his expertise is uh, welcome when we're talking about startups. Certainly not everyone has a Lauren Brotman when they start a business. Definitely not. Uh, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. <laughs> Most of the time it's a bad thing. But uh, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you very uh, much. And uh, Lauren and I have been working together for about 
or known each other for about 25 years. So uh, Also been working together for that time. Yeah, I guess so. Time flies, doesn't it? Uh, but let's talk about startup businesses. And I guess there's so many areas to, to consider. Uh, what, what would be your first step? What would, when you say startup of a business, when you're, when you're dealing with somebody walks in and says, you know, I've got to start up a business, there's so many areas to touch upon, what would be the first thing that you would tell them? Well, basically, you're now at the, at the place where the entrepreneur's already come up with the idea, has started putting together a plan, whether it be a formal plan or something a little less formal, and they're ready for the execution stage. So what's, what's the first thing that you have to do? Um, you've both mentioned it a little bit. I think the first thing you have to think about, do you want to do some of what I'm about to talk about on your own, or do you want to hire a professional to help you with it? Okay. The first start, the first step with starting up the business, simple as it sounds, is basically registering the business. So you want to either just register it, just register a name, and have it as a personal business, meaning reporting everything on your own personal tax returns, or you want to take it to another step and incorporate. So these are some of the things that you have to think about right away. And even when you're talking about the corporation, there's a lot of things to consider also that maybe you need a professional to help you with. Did uh, Ovi, Ovi Mark, did either of you have an issue with registering the name of your business? Uh, so actually we did. When we first submitted our name, we just submitted Outpost Travel, which was the original name we, we thought about, but it came back as denied in Quebec since uh, it didn't have a translation. So they had to suggest some translations, so we ended up being called Voyage Outpost in Quebec. Yeah, so there's there's always a little intricacy. I guess not not the same issue with, with Acumen since it's, I guess, fairly bilingual. Well, it, it started with Sweet Genius Consultants first. So Sweet Genius Consultants was, because we do NetSuite services, so Sweet Genius was rejected by French Quebec people and at the government. So we had to do Consultant Sweet Genius. And then we hit another barrier with NetSuite because Sweet Genius was too good of a name because we couldn't brand with them as a partner. So we had to change to Acumen Factory. And Lord. even from my own point of view, I recently, it's, it's as strange as it sounds, I, I incorporated something for myself and I wanted to name it Bronsky Inc., Bronsky being my nickname. I was told I can't because there's no French translation for that, so we just went with the straight <laughs> numbered company. Believe it or not, that's, that's, that's what happened. So part of what you're talking about, absolutely, registering the name or something else that you want to know, can we just go with a numbered company that we don't need the name? So these are all some of the things that you have to talk about. And what I was mentioning before, even with the corporation, are you starting up a business on your own? Do you have partners? Uh, do you need different classes of shares for the different partners? Are there going to be family members involved that are going to be shareholders as well? There's a lot of different things to think about. So that's why I say you come back to see, do you have someone to consult with? And I think there's even far more than that with all the forms. And, you know, we live in a, we live in a, a government-ruled world, so there's a number of forms and steps that you have to follow there, too. And when we come back from the break, we'll touch upon those as well. Today's Entrepreneur on CJD 753. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to our startup special. In studio with us, Mark Ryman from Acumen, Ovi Mija from Outpost Travel. They are our two uh, startup heads. And we have Lauren Brotman from Florlanda as well, uh, giving us some advice on how to start a business. And we were talking about, you know, there's really important factors. There's choosing a name. There's, you know, having your business plan in place that we didn't touch upon, but that's important too. But then, of course, there's, uh, you know, as we talk about uh, certain of the issues of the government regulations, you have the 
forms, the, the, the sales tax forms, the deductions of source forms, they're, they're not exactly the most exciting, but they are extremely important. So perhaps, Lauren, you can explain a little bit some of the, the ins and outs of, uh, of these kind of forms and the, the things that entrepreneurs have to think about when they're answering the questions. Yeah, no, the first, the first steps are always the government steps. So immediately you're going to get registration numbers from Canada and Quebec. And if you're incorporated, those will automatically lead you to filing your corporate income tax returns, giving you numbers there. But you got, like Josh said, you have to think about the next step of sales taxes. Do I have to register for sales taxes or don't I? There's different thresholds. If you're under 30,000, you don't have 30,000 of revenues. You don't have to, but you can. And then there's other, there's other parts to it, depending on what the thresholds are, how often do you have to file? You can do it annually, quarterly, monthly, depending on where your revenues are going to be. And even if you can do it at one level, you may choose not to want to do it at that level. Once you, once you choose a frequency or an amount, is it, is it easy to change? I mean, what if you, you don't either make a mistake or business changes? Is it, is it difficult? Honestly, if someone has gone through it before and filled out the forms, it, it should not be difficult. But if you don't do it properly, then it could lead to all kinds of headaches. And then you're trying to do it, and then they switch you to the wrong uh, reporting frequency, and then it's trying to get that mistake fixed. And in the meantime, time has passed, and maybe you missed a certain filing. So it shouldn't be that difficult, but again, it's forms. It's filling out the forms, making sure you're filling in the right forms, and you're sending, you know, you're filling them out correctly. And are they all on one form, or do they have, do they make it difficult to say, you know what, you have a separate form for each one? You know, there's different sections in the form. Like when you're starting up the business, like I mentioned, do I have to register for sales tax? So there's certain criteria. Then there's the deductions at source, the payroll part. Do I have to? Am I going to have employees? Is there going to be payroll? So there's different sections on the form to tick off. Yes, I want to register. No, I don't want to register. So, like I said, if you know what you're looking at and you've been looking at it for so long, it should be fairly straightforward. But for someone who hasn't seen it before, it could get confusing. And as I think we've heard before, OV, you know, he said if there's one thing you could do differently, it would be, you know, go back and maybe answer the forms correctly uh, or answer the questions on the form correctly the first time. So minimizes his professional fees uh, oh, yeah, after the fact. <laughs> so as we come to the last, thank you very much, Lauren. Uh, very, I know there's a ton more to talk about, but as we come to the last moment of the show, we'll turn to Mark and Ovi and ask them what one piece of advice would they give to today's entrepreneur. Mark? I would say think big, uh, grow steady. If you fail, fail fast. So you can get back on your feet and keep on going. Don't give up. The key thing of starting your own business, if you think you're going to work 35 or 40 hours a week to start your own business, forget about it right now. Excellent. And Ovi? I think one of the biggest advice that I can give to especially young entrepreneurs is that if you have an idea, just go out there and do it. Don't come up with reasons why you shouldn't do it, why you shouldn't take the risk. Definitely, you know, there's a big chance that you're going to fail, but that's how you learn. You learn from your own mistakes. And if you don't take the initiative to do it, you know, you, it's never going to happen. Excellent. Gentlemen, thank you very much, Dan. You know, there, there are several takeaways I, I get and, and just knowing and listening to the guys and dealing with other startups, there's no question that it takes the right idea. But if it's not the right idea, it can be tweaked. Just because it may not be perfect day one doesn't mean it's not the right idea. And I think getting your feedback and keep working at it is hugely important and that's something that you should never give up on. And that's what will make a successful entrepreneur, startup or otherwise. Thanks, Josh, and thanks to our startup professionals, Mark Ryman of Acumen and Ovi Mija of Outpost Travel, and uh, Lauren Brotman of Fullerlando as well. Thanks very much, guys. 
And we're back, uh, Josh, uh, not next Monday, but two, week, two Mondays from now? I believe so. All right. Full of Lando. Thanks very much. And uh, today's Entrepreneur, it's 8 o'clock on CJAD.